Hello, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of transgender, gender non-binary, and gender diverse community members in the United States and abroad. This is A Hateful Homicide. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah. transgender woman has been shot and killed in North Baltimore, Alpha. In the U.S., trans women of color have a life expectancy of just 35 years. This happens on a daily. Another one of my friends got killed right up the street from here. These cases are true. The victims are real and their voices matter. This is A Hateful Homicide. The murder of Julie Berman. Sunday, December 22nd, 2019, Toronto, Canada. Thank you. 
crash into one side until the next murder happens. Inside Barbara Hall Park, a trans memorial with the names of the victims who died a violent death. It's been most recently targeted by vandals, but you can see the trans symbol right there. Nikki Ward tells me the hope is to have this cleared up so they can add Julie's name to this memorial. In Toronto's Church and Wellesley community, I advise I mean for City News. It's Sunday, December 22nd of 2019, just two days before Christmas Eve and three days before Christmas Day. 51-year-old trans woman, Julie Berman of Toronto, Canada, activist and advocate, had gotten up that day around 7 a.m. like any other day. She got her day started and by the afternoon, around 1 p.m. Sunday, December 22nd, 2019, she meets up with someone from online. This individual named Colin Harnick, a 29-year-old white cisgendered male. Julie had not known Colin prior, but again, the two seemed to get along. However, around 4 p.m. on Sunday, December 22nd, 2009, 19, detectives get a phone call. Neighbors hear Julie screaming for help, and then the screams stop. Well, when detectives, Detective Bob Cho of the Toronto Police Department and his team gets to the apartment where Julie Berman lives, they find her bludgeoned to death in her home. Detective Bob Cho and the rest of the Toronto Police Department wanted to know what happened. Well, an eyewitness has spotted an individual fleeing from the scene. Detective Bob Cho and the rest of the detectives went searching. Toronto, Canada, heavily known for its CCTV footage, was immediately able to retrieve it, get a clear image, use that image and run it through their database and discover that this was the individual of 29-year-old Colin Harnick. They bring Colin in the same day, that Sunday, around 8 p.m. Colin, who is covered in blood, who's looking disheveled, detectives approach him and they ask him what happened around 4 p.m. on Sunday, December 22nd, 2018. According to Colin, who seemed to be a little out of it or not completely cohesive in his statements, he recalls meeting Julie online and he also recalls going over to Julie's place. But when he got there, the two seemed to got, you know, get along for the most part. But around a couple of hours into the conversation, according to Colin, he discovered that Julie was trans. And when he discovered that Julie was um, transgendered, he then acted in such a rage that according to him, that he blacked out and then grabbed the baseball bat and bludgeoned Julie to death. The baseball bat that Colin used to commit this hateful homicide on Julie Berman was a bat that she would use to defend herself against predators, against people who would try to break into her home or target her because she was an open and outspoken transgender woman as well as transgender advocate. 
when Julie's homicide was announced on Sunday and Monday going into December 23rd of 2019, one of her really good friends, Nikki Charleston, was completely blindsided and devastated by this hateful homicide. News reporter Fazia Armin had met up with Nikki and wanted to understand the relationship between the two women. According to Nikki, Julie, again, had to fight a long time, who she began her transition around the age of 22 and for almost 30 years had truly lived her life open and visible. Beginning her transition around the later part of the 80s, by 2019, there had been somewhat of an evolution of change for the better. But of course, as we still know, there's a lot of work to be done. Things that Nikki said that Julie would get involved with would be things such as, you know, the transgender day of remembrance, as well as transgender day of visibility. She would also open up her home to community members who needed somewhere to stay. And so when detectives are questioning, Detective Bob Cho and his team are questioning Colin Harnick and the Toronto Police De Department in interrogation room, they ask him what made him kill Julie. Again, Colin expresses that he learned that Julie was trans. He felt deceived and in a rage, a fit of rage, according to him, he then takes her baseball bat and beats her over the lower and upper toe sore 20 times, 10 times in the face and head, and then also 10 times in the lower back and knees, making sure that Julie was gonna be completely defenseless and unfortunately unable to move. So as Colin was attacking her, again, her neighbors could hear her screaming out for help and they immediately called the police. So when the detectives also brought this up to Colin Harnick in the investigation room, they let him know that, the, that their witnesses heard Julie screaming for help, that she was being attacked. And then all of a sudden the screaming stopped. Colin said that was true, but he recalled that he didn't remember picking up the baseball bat. He didn't he kind of blacked out, according to Colin. He said he saw red. He couldn't believe that, according to him, this older, beautiful woman in, in, in all appearance to him, according to him, that was a trans woman. And when she was disclosed as a trans woman, this is what ultimately led to him committing the hateful homicide. Within 24 hours of this hateful homicide, Colin Harnick, again, is charged with second-degree murder. Right now, Colin is still currently fighting his charges, and he has not been to court yet. But what I wanted to take, um, talk about with this case, again, is like what we talked about with the hateful homicide, you know, of Vicky Ramos Gutierrez is this concept of online dating. When these individuals come into our homes and then they, you know, we let our guards down and this happens. And Julie was no exception. Julie had a lot of struggles in her life, not having the most supportive and accepting family. Julie really cleaved to her Toronto community. But she also worked with individuals throughout the LA, New York, Chicago and Miami communities as well in an efforts to make sure that everyone could come together to support trans rights. And prior to her homicide on December 22nd of 2019, Julie was in the process of planning a Transgender Day of Visibility event that was going to be scheduled in March of 2020. Unfortunately, Julie did not live to see that. 
but Nikki and the rest of the community continued to put that event together under Julie's vision and it was seen throughout the the world. This was during the time of COVID, but people still came out to support Julie Berman as well as remember her her life um, as it befallen through this hateful homicide. And it's so important for us to understand, you know, how we as community members, how we impact our, our, our community. Julie was beloved. She influenced so many others. She worked a lot with the elders as well as the youth, but she would also provide job placement and other training skills. Julie also was a really big proponent on trying to get the cis community in support of the trans community. So Nikki Charleston, one of her good friends and also an advocate in the Toronto area, really strongly believed that Julie was actually just trying to help Colin. That um, according to the CCTV footage, you could see where Julie and Colin are interacting. It looks like Julie's coming back from some kind of store and Colin offers to help her with like some you know, with the groceries or the items in the bag. And things seem to be going well. The two are exchanging conversation. You can see them walking to Julie's apartment. And then you see Colin coming back out, covered in blood, looking frazzled, running away from the scene. So detectives wanted to understand what was Colin's intentions going forward. Detective Cho asked Colin, what do you plan to plead? According to Colin, he said he was going to plea insane that when he learned that Julie Berman was trans, that he lost himself in such a rage and fit that he committed this hateful homicide. Detective Cho was concerned about this because as um, journalist, um, you know, Fazia asked him, do you believe this is a hate crime? And of course, at this time, they were still doing a lot of the investigations. But one of the things they were able to do was pull up Colin's cell phone records. And they found these text messages between Colin and some friends in like a group chat. And part of this conversation was actually about like their hatred and animosity towards um, trans people. But the interesting thing about Colin, though, is that he actually... Um, did participate in LGBTQ events. He had actually been to a Toronto Pride event in 2017 and 2018. So again, detectives were very shocked to learn that this individual had committed such a hateful homicide against someone like Julie Berman. Detective Cho wanted to know exactly how did he approach Julie on the early hours or afternoon of December 22nd, 2019. According to Colin, he stated that he saw Julie um, walking. He said that they had met online, but he said he was supposed to meet her um, at her place. And he saw her walking back from the store and, and he was heading to her home. And when he saw her and recognized her from the social media profile, he approached her, asked her if she was Julie. She confirmed. He offered to help her with her items, her backed items. They go into her place around 2 p.m. and begin to have conversations conversation. Um, Colin did admit that the two did get involved a little bit romantically and upon that, according to him, was when he discovered that Julie Berman was a preoperative trans woman. And again, when he discovered that, he blacked out and then picked up her, her baseball bat and bludgeoned her body 20 times before fleeing the scene, leaving the murder weapon beside Julie's body. So Detective Cho wanted to make sure that he could verify Colin's statement. 
Not only did they have Julie's blood evidence that the forensics team was able to determine was hers, positively identifying this, they were able to get some DNA from one of Julie's relatives to compare, and it was a match. Julie was, Julie's DNA was the DNA all over Colin's clothes. So Detective Cho not only had Julie's DNA, but they also had Colin Harnick's fingerprints on the baseball bat, meaning that there was no disputing or refuting any of the evidence. But what Detective Cho was concerned with was actually making sure that Colin would not be able to get away with this hateful homicide by pleading guilty to being criminally insane. And so that's why, you know, as we look into this case, you know, I just I want to make sure that we really understand that, again, this panic defense that individuals will use. But I want to take a moment and talk about Julie Berman, born in 1968 in Nova Scotia, Canada. Julie completely decided around the age of 21, 22, around the year 1989 to begin her gender journey. She knew when she began her gender journey that she was not going to be accepted by her loved ones. So Julie fled away from her family and moved to the more popular and liberal space of Toronto, Canada. Well, Julie gets to Toronto, Canada, and for again, for almost the next 30 years, builds a life for herself. Her friends in Toronto admits that Julie had some struggles with drugs and alcohol, and she had also had some housing instability throughout her life. These instabilities and traumas and disparities cultivated Julie to now decide to become an advocate and an activist for her community to seek change in the Toronto area. But Julie also wanted to, again, to connect with the U.S. Canada, north of the United States, is very close to Toronto and certain parts of the U.S. And so what Julie wanted to do was to initially work her way in the Chicago area by getting to know um, community members at the LGBT Center in Chicago, building those relationships. And what she wanted to do was form a coalition in hopes of getting the U.S. and Canada trans organizations and communities to all come together and advocate and act um, and protest against the, the, the mistreatment and the injustice and inequities faced by the trans communities. And so that's why, again, when she was brutally murdered on Sunday, December 22nd, again, just three days before Christmas, it was heartbreaking. One of her really good friends, Grace Bowman, also mentioned that Julie loved the holidays. Not being able to spend it with her family, you know, she really wanted to make sure that she would put on these festive holiday events each year. And Christmas was going to be no other. Julie had already sent out her save the dates and her invitations and had even gotten the food ready. And so that's why it was so unfortunate for her community, as well as her friends and close ones, that she was murdered just three days before this event, but also again, three months before the Transgender Day of Visibility event that she was planning in hopes of getting all of, again, parts of the U.S. and Canada together. But what I also want to do is take a moment and just share with you exactly who Julie is and again, how she impacted others in the community. And so I just want to make sure that we can we can talk about this because again, Julie was really amazing, beautiful, strong. The thing that makes me most angry is how avoidable this was. 
And that's the thing. This was so avoidable. You can hear that from her friend, Nikki Ward. And I just wanted to, to pause from there because that word gravitated with me. It is so important to understand that this could have been avoided far too many times. Unfortunately, it, it, it's seen where, you know, these crimes uh, of, of, of passion, of, of violence, they happen. And when they do, you know, again, these individuals will say that it was a panic and a defense, but we cannot blame Julie for her hateful homicide. We cannot place that blame on Julie. And it's not fair to do that. So what we want to make sure is that we get away from this concept of you know, gay panic and trans panic and really understand what happened because Julie was brutally murdered again in the area of Harbor Street and Brunswick Avenue around 4 p.m. on December 22nd, 2019. And like I said, her friend Nikki Charleston really talked about how this impacted her. But what I wanted to also just again highlight how important this is for our community. On the streets, one woman has died following an incident near Harbor Street and Spadina. Police say it is not known how the woman died at this point, but her death is being treated as suspicious. One man has been taken into custody. There is no word if he is an official suspect. The incident happened just after 2.30. Investigators say they are not looking for any additional suspects. And the reason why they weren't looking for any additional suspects is because, again, they had all of the evidence that they needed to identify Colin. And Colin, you know, was really not remorseful, to be quite frankly. He really didn't have any sense of sadness for what happened to Julie. Um, the, you know, Detective Cho, as well as Julie's loved ones, wanted to really understand what happened to her and why this happened to her. And, you know, Colin really had no other response other than, you know, um, she did not disclose her gender identity. And by not disclosing her gender identity, this led to her subsequent hateful homicide. And that's why, again, it's just so important for us to understand this idea of targeting. I wanted to take a moment and talk about targeting as well, because Julie was targeted. Even if we go under the rules that, right, if we go with what Colin Harnick says and that she was not, you know, targeted because she was, um, you know, or that, he only targeted her because she was trans. That still is no excuse. When these situations happens where whether someone did or did not disclose their gender identity, which according to Julie's friends, because she had been practicing or at least she had been standing in her truth as an openly proud trans woman for 30 years, that there was no way that she would not have disclosed her gender identity to Colin prior to meeting him that Sunday. But Colin again stated and reiterated multiple times that that was what happened and that when he realized that Julie was, you know, um, transgender, that this led to her hateful homicide. But this target, this, this targeting concept has been really a theme. So many times what will happen is that individuals will learn, especially cis men, will learn that, that a person is trans and then as a result decide to target and then commit the hateful homicide. And so this is really important for us to understand and how trans women can easily go from, you know, seeming like it's going to be a decent, loving, you know, relationship possibly or a connection to now being the victim of a hateful homicide. Colin knew exactly what he was doing when he went there. Why did he kill Julie? Because he wanted to. There have been plenty of situations where a person has learned that someone is trans and does not react in such a way. 
again, according to Colin, they were in the midst of, you know, hooking up when he discovered that she was trans. But let me ask you this, my audience. If Julie had not disclosed her gender identity prior to getting involved with Colin, do we place the blame on her for the fact that this hateful homicide was committed? No, we do not. The reason being is because trans individuals, we have the right to disclose when we are ready to disclose our our gender identities. It is not everyone's business to know that we are trans due to safety. I do not believe that Julie went into this relationship, this encounter with Colin um, under the rules that, uh, that that he did not know that she was transgender. I do not believe that at all. I do believe that he knew that she was trans. I believe that um, Colin probably wanted to take the, the encounter further than Julie would have liked. Um, loved ones recall Julie um, being very, very serious about um, her sexuality and her sex life in terms of uh, not being very promiscuous and out there. So if she had met Colin, uh, especially considering the fact it was in the daytime, that it, you know, the likelihood of this being some kind of hookup encounter would have been unlikely, according to, again, her friends, Nikki Wynn, uh, excuse me, not Nikki Wynn, Nikki Charleston and Grace Bowman. And so, like I said, that's why it's so important for us to just make sure that we're having these conversations and really, really, truly understanding what is happening to our communities out here. Julie Bowman was just, like I said, like so many of us, seeking and searching for love. And again, she was a victim of targeting. This happens far too often in the community where trans individuals are targeted simply for being who they are and then uh, and then are murdered. And this happens way too often in our communities. Targeting is a form of method that is literally where an individual will either go online, they will go in person, and they will seek that someone out, a victim. Um, unfortunately, someone, and it can be the wrong place in the wrong time. And this is exactly what happened to Julie. It wasn't the fact that she was that she had not disclosed her gender identity. It was the fact that she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Julie basically, you know, met Colin and had no idea that within less than two hours, her life would be over. And that is the reality. Colin saw her, he targeted her, and he decided to kill her, excuse me, simply because he wanted to. There was no other reason or ration behind it. And so again, I just want to talk about how this impacted Julie so much, how this impacted the community and the loved ones around. A Toronto trans woman is being remembered tonight as a vital voice in the LGBTQ plus community. Julie Berman was killed on December 22nd. A Toronto man is charged in her murder. Tonight, her friends and family came together to honor her life and her work as a trans activist. She was a human being first. You know, she was a daughter, she was a niece, she was a community veteran, she was my sister. Like, not my bad sister, but my sister for 30 years. You know, I've learned a lot from her. A lot of people have, you know, learned a lot from a lot of the work that she's done. She's given people, um, you know, self-empowerment to be who they want to be. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, her legacy will live on past us. And, you know, we got to make sure her voice is still heard and that we keep remembering that, you know, that transphobia is very much alive. Dozens came out to the 519 Community Center for a private memorial service honoring the 51-year-old. That service was followed by a public vigil in Barbara Hall Park where friends and family lit candles.
candles and laid roses in her memory. Berman was a vocal trans activist who had a large social media following and spoke openly about her experiences dealing with transphobia. And like I said, it's so important for us to also talk about this topic of transphobia. Transphobia, it means to have a hatred, a fear, and also display a form of intimidation towards anyone who identifies as trans. This type of mentality has been plaguing the trans community for over 50 plus years. Starting back with the Stonewall Movement, as we get ready to approach the 52nd anniversary, this is really important for us to understand. Julie wanted so much to be able to make sure that her community got to a place of safety and peace. And it was very unfortunately, again, that on December 22nd, 2019, that she was brutally murdered simply for being who she was. Again, as you heard, Julie was very well known. She was very well followed on social media. And Colin Harnick was one of those individuals. He followed Julie on social media. Again, he also participated in several Pride events between 2017 up until 2019. And though him and Julie had not worked directly close together, that was one of the ways that he did lure Julie uh, or at least get her guard down. He did, um, as Detective Cho, and then pull back the the conversations between Julie as well as Colin, they're realizing that Colin is, again, stating things like, I am totally accepting, I'm very open, um, I have been to Pride events before. So again, this is very similar to the case that we had last week regarding Vicky Ramos Gutierrez, where, where we see this sense of gaslighting, manipulation, almost this state of romance and just, you know, really making sure that they let the guards down of their victim. And by doing so, this is a form of transphobia. And this form of transphobia is called targeting. Targeting is so such a, a topic in our community. We have to always look out. Two cases ago, we talked about the murder of Catalina Christina James. That case was also another form of targeting, where in that instinct, they were focusing on murdering Black trans women in the Jacksonville, Florida area. This happens all over, and even in places like Toronto, Canada. Described as liberal and open-minded, Toronto was, you know, as seen as a mecca for the LGBTQ community to go and get away from smaller spaces in Canada. So again, when Julie came here around 1989, she really, again, made sure that she exhibited safety. She made sure that she had a sense of closeness and, and, and um, a, a safety system. And so Colin used the fact that she was an activist, that she was an advocate, that he does have, that he did have this history of being very open and liberal. He used that as a way to let Julie's guard down and even taking an extra step by assisting with her groceries, getting her into her home and really to have sex with her or sexually assault her. And when Julie decided to speak up and fight back, and because he knew that there was already going to be evidence of the fact that he was trying to sexually assault her, but let alone the fact that he was trying to sexually assault a trans woman and someone as well known as Julie, the, ultimate, the only thing that Colin could do was commit the hateful homicide. However, this panic defense excuse that Colin has been using again, has been seen time and time again. 
Colin is set to go to trial. Um, his case is set to go to trial at the end of 2021. Because of COVID-19, there's still this tentative uncertainty about if Colin is actually going to, you know, have his trial this year. But we are definitely, definitely hoping for that to be the case. As we, um, I want to take a moment as well and, and just share with you really um, this impact of how this um, really impacted Julie's loved ones and other community members as well who identify in the community. So I'm going to share this with you all now regarding the thoughts and how um, individuals reacted to the murder of Julie Berman. So individuals that she impacted throughout the community. I'm the year off, but I have to talk about the murder of trans activist Julie Berman. I just threw the script together so it won't be as polished or as fun as my usual videos. This is the second one this month I've had to do by the seat of my pants, the other being the abortion bill in Ohio. It's almost as if the world's a terrible place. Early last week, trans activist Julie Berman was discovered with serious injuries to her head in her Toronto home. She was found by police and taken to the hospital where she was pronounced dead. Her murder highlights the increased violence the trans community faces. Ironically, just over two years ago at the Trans Day of Remembrance in 2017, Julie talked about a friend of hers that had also been murdered. These are not isolated events. The trans community faces increased violence and discrimination just because they don't fall into neat little boxes that society has put in place for the majority. Often the trans community feel they can't even turn to police for protection since almost a quarter of them reported being harassed by the police themselves. The presumed assailant has been taken into custody, and so far no details have been released as to the motive or reasons behind this attack. Since the attack appears to have happened in Julie's home, my guess is it was a premeditated attack since she was an outspoken member of the trans community, or the old trans panic defense will come to play, where the masculinity of Julie's assailant was threatened when he found out she was a trans woman. Neither of these are acceptable, but we'll see what happens when the investigation continues. This is really important to understand. This individual named Todd Jenkins, a podcaster friend of mine in the Canada area, he shared this video with me about Julie's case. Um, and I shared just a little bit of it because I wanted to kind of give you an idea from his perspective. And, and Todd is a cisgendered uh, gay man. And so he's a huge proponent for the community as well. But again, th these these topics are thematic throughout the world, right? You heard him mention gay panic, trans panic, um, as well as just targeting Julie because of who she was and her role in the community. So this is really heartbreaking to hear. Um, and, and like I said, her murder really impacted so many. But I also wanted to take a moment and, and share with you all another statement from those um, who also were very impacted by Julie's murder. Video. I brought you a story two days ago about Julie Berman. I brought you a story two days ago about uh, Julie Berman, a Canadian activist, a trans activist who was murdered. Um, and as soon as you, you, you know, you type in or you see um, trans murder, everybody just, you know, without even checking what they were talking about, took the picture of the soap opera star Julie Berman, um, created these fake memes um, about how she was a trendsetter and she was a first and, you know, the first trans uh, to, pe to appear on soap operas, which obviously none of it was true. They just did fact check. So what they did is just basically took two different people, combined their facts together, and passed off a bunch of bullshit. So um, to 
popular star. From my understanding, uh, she is uh, an activist for the LGBT community, and she is a trans woman who is struggling financially. Uh, so we don't know if that has anything to do with her mur- a murder. But once again, people were saying it was a hate crime, it was transphobia, this transphobic uh, mentality that people have needs to be changed. And I once again said, wait a minute, we don't know the motive of the murder yet. Why don't we wait and find out what the police think or why the police think she was murdered before we start passing judgment? Um, you had everybody from the mayor of Toronto saying that this was a hate crime. Well, now that we have more information, we find out that this guy right here, his name is Colin Harnack, a 29-year-old Toronto resident, um, has been charged with second-degree murder. So aside from the fact that this guy, um, who himself uh, considers himself to be genderless, possibly trans, as you can see, he's wearing a dress, um, he is also part of the LGBT community. And being that he was charged with second-degree murder, not capital murder or first-degree, um, that this was probably like some type of an altercation uh, between these two people. This wasn't, uh, it isn't like he went there with the intent to kill her. This wasn't premeditated, so. There is a debate. As you can hear, there are two different stories. The individual who you were just listening to is also a Toronto um, individual by the name of Alberto Rodriguez. And they're um, and, and very, very great individual and has their own perspective on this case. And I wanted to share these different perspectives because, again, it's so important. You know, I posed the question earlier regarding do we blame the victim? What happened? There's been so much kind of conversations regarding this hateful homicide. And as you just heard, yes, like I mentioned, Colin has participated in the LGBTQ movements and things of that nature. But he also was slightly, uh, we're not quite sure if non-binary would be the best description or um, very gender non-conforming. But nonetheless, um, I, you know, Alberto believes that the, the homicide was, the hateful homicide was not motivated because of hate, but rather because of a dispute. Again, I would have to disagree, definitely, regardless if Colin is gender fluid or non-binary, which has not even been determined. Um, the, the, the reality is, is that there were also communication messages on Colin's cell phone stating how he had this disdainment and this likeness for the trans community, uh, but also having this conflict of liking and supporting the other aspects of the LGB community. So we don't know if this was some kind of internal transphobia that Colin may have been displaying. And as this case continues to unravel by the end of this year, there will certainly be more details. Typically with a hateful homicide, I try to cover cases that have have a finale. Um, but every now and then, if a case really gravitates me, you know, like this one here, because there's been so much twists and turns with if Colin is part of the community, was this some kind of internal hit? There's been so many different theories um, regarding the, the hateful homicide of Julie Berman. 
even as you heard, um, there's an actress, a soap opera actress from one of my favorite soap operas, General Hospital, and she and her name was Julie Berman, and she played on there. So as Alberto mentioned, there was a lot of confusion initially with that. But nonetheless, we have the right Julie Berman, and this one was an amazing, outspoken, beautiful trans woman activist, 51 years old with so much life ahead of her and so much more to do. And she lost her life on Sunday, December 22nd, 2019, 4 p.m. Toronto time. And as we prepare to conclude this case, I just want to say again, please, please, please keep in mind these concepts of transphobia. And please note that targeting is a type of transphobia. And that's exactly what Colin did when he committed the hateful homicide against Julie Berman. So as we prepare to conclude, I just want to say again to my sister, Julie Berman, we remember you yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever, and always. Born 1968, died December 22nd, 2019. We remember you, Julie. Please follow us at A Hateful Homicide. Also, you can follow me on IG at MalloryJenna90. That's M-A-L-L-E-R-Y-J-E-N-N-A-90. And next Saturday is going to be the season finale. And this is going to be the case of the murder of Tony McDade. And so I look forward to connecting with each and every one of you for our season finale next Saturday. And then again, we'll pick back up in September uh, with season two and some other cases to come. If there's any cases that you think of that are solved that you would love for me to cover, please feel free to reach out to me on my social media. Again, the goal is to continue to give these victims a voice and thank you all for your support. We are now over 100 followers on IG. Yay! And so I'm super excited. Again, use the hashtags ah, say ah, a hateful homicide, true crime, transgender awareness, podcast, suspenseful Saturdays. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in and I look forward to um, talking with you all next Saturday at the season finale. Thank you so much for tuning in to A Hateful Homicide.